I've seen Emily in Paris. I actually haven't. But I haven't seen Matt in Scottsdale yet. Oh. And now, at least until just now, that this was a disaster. This Absolutely is awful. The best for an intro of our time. It's true. I'm in Scottsdale. It was worth the slow burn and slow build. Uh, I'm in a little getaway with uh, a couple of my dear friends, uh, Aaron and Katya. We're at a, a, a lovely Four Seasons. I'm going to, I mean, I don't know why I'm showing Dave the view on a podcast, but, you know, we're out here in the mountains, oh, in the desert, wow. really doing it. Listener, um, it's beautiful. It is, it is Arizona. It is, it is resorty. Yes. Are you, are you taking tennis classes? Are you? We're just lying by the um, pool and we're doing our best to not. Be, be white lotus characters you know that everybody is on their That's best day we're, we're we're really yeah. trying to make sure to not turn into jake lacy um and katya yeah. uh, by the way i have to mention has a podcast called the animal that changed you she is an animal rescue guru and uh writer actor producer and podcaster obviously but her her po new podcast is called the animal that changed you um, and she interviews people about the animal that changed them. You know, often it is a rescue dog, but uh, she's also talking to people about birds and all sorts of other things. And she's had um, Rory Scovel and June Diane Raphael. I'm going to be on there. I'm going to be on there with Michael Grassi. If people have ever been uh, dying wow. to hear uh, oh Michael God. Grassi speak that is, out loud. That's my dream podcast. We'll be on there. So. Just um, check out the uh, the animal that uh, yeah the animal that changed you is um, uh, so um, yeah just uh, love a big it. love that get it wherever um, you find I myself, your podcasts. I'm great. I'm great. It's we're coming on the weekend. Couple of days to just relax. I am so ready. Um, just did Nick Vile's podcast this morning. Talk Bachelor in Paradise at great length. Um, really felt like mm. they were doing uh, a gay male storyline for a second there in this week's episodes. They were not. Well, not yet. Yeah, there were a couple. Uh, there were just a couple sort of ambiguous oh. dudes who showed up what at the same the time, clues? and it's like you know they're trying to break that wall down. And Lance Bass was the host, although we saw him for eight seconds over the mm. course of three hours. Um, it's a good season. It's a solid season. It's a cast of thousands. Highly recommended. Um, also, uh, watch The Sound on Apple TV+. Plus. That is my advice to you. It is the um, Mark Ronson music documentary. It's all about like music technology and stuff. I don't know any of the tech, but it's really interesting. And he oh, wears yeah. one terrific outfit after, after another. He's, he's a style icon. Highly recommended. Watch The Sound. Right. He's up there with Dave Holmes. In terms of great heads of air. One of the greats. One of the all-time greats. Also, the New Churches album. I got recommendations for days. New Churches. Get into it. Yeah. That's it. Oh, great. Great. Well, so this week's guest, uh, we are very, very, very excited to talk yeah. about. He is uh, director Will Speck. And at the time of this recording, we have not yet spoken to him. So, you know, what we know about him is that he directed uh, Blaze of Glory, Office Christmas Party. The list is long to quote Drew Drogi, go to his IMDb page and pack a lunch. But we also know that he has some kind of personal relationship, uh, friendship with the one Jennifer Aniston. 
So we do know that. I have a feeling we're going to get into that. We might. We might. You know, okay. So, listener, we're, uh, let's let's just let's put our cards on the table. I've met Will once. We we had a, a great conversation. We've like gone back and forth a bunch of times on Instagram, and uh, and I was like, oh, we should get him on the show. So I asked, and then like today, I was like, is Will Speck gay? Because I was certain of it. Like when yeah. we were talking, I was certain. And then I, I was certain enough to ask him. But then at the last minute, it was like, is is he gay? Like, did we just ask a straight guy? And then yeah. Matt asked, and I was like, I think, because I, I went on the Instagram and th there was something that made, that gave me the confidence to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we don't clues. even know. That. Yeah, but I don't remember what those are. So for a minute, a few times over the last few days, I've been like, wait a minute. Is. Are we about to accidentally have a straight guy on our show? Are we about to have our first uh, straight guy? Possibly. And you know what? If he is, uh, at least it's, you know, a friend of Jen. Exactly. Exactly. Which makes you, you know, sort of, it makes you family. That's right. When you're here and friends with Jen, you're family. Um, yeah, we will get into it. So, you know, uh, stay tuned to find out if Will Speck yeah. is gay or not, I guess, is yep. what we're saying. That's the big mystery. We'll solve it. Well, without further ado, here we go. There he is. How you doing? How are you? So good. We're just diving in. We are recording. This show is underway. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm already, I mean, I had an amazing thing happen today. So um, tell us everything. Oh, let's start there, please. I'm already way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Matt is following me on Instagram now. Oh. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty, it's a big one. Wow. You have broken through. <laughs> Look, Will, I didn't, I, I hope that that didn't come off like a, a passive aggressive, like, hey, man, you're going to be on my podcast. So, because uh, truly, I, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm on vacation with some girlfriends and we were doing our research by the pool over our phones, you know, and uh, we're really just trying to get to the bottom of Will Speck. I was doing my research. I mean, it was a significant thing that to have happened to me. And I just, I feel grateful. I mean, I, I thank you. I love it. I love it. I love when connections are made. You are surrounded by photographs. What are we looking at? Um, it it was not it was not intentional, but I'm in I'm in a production office and I'm surrounded by uh, reference for my DP. Ooh, okay, so oh, there are probably spoilers okay. in there somewhere. What is being? Um, I'm I'm about two and a half weeks. I'm an, I'm about two and a half underprepared weeks um, to starting uh, a movie. Um, so yeah, I'm in the thick of it. What can you tell us? Uh, it's a musical, um, that, uh, based on a book that I always loved that I developed. Um, uh, it's a children's book from the sixties called Lyle, Lyle Crockett. I've heard of it. Sounds familiar. Rings a bell. Yeah, it's great. And, um, we, we developed it and got the rights to it and got it adapted. And we love that adaptation and we decided to make it. Uh, an original musical, um, uh, and that's what's happening. Interesting. What is the story of Lyle Lyle Crocodile? Um, it's about a family that moves to New York City, um, so that's sort of a fish-out-of-water uh, situation, and um, they kind of come upon uh, a crocodile in their attic, um, first the boy and then the parents eventually, and... Um, they realize that he doesn't speak. That was our choice, not the books. And um, he just sings. And um, sort of when they kind of take him in and he starts to change the family and become like a catalyst for great things, uh, kind of a song and dance man comes back to claim him 
um, who had sort of trained him, event, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah. and sort of chaos ensues. But it's really exciting. The music's great. It's by, we have these guys, um, these composer lyricists uh, named Pasek and Paul, Justin. And, oh, come on now. Yeah, who are great. And um, really, it's just been amazing. We have a great cast and um, we're excited. We just have no time, but otherwise, all good things. Well, thank you for spending some of your limited time with us. What is, what is yeah. your, what's your mental, what's your, what's your mindset right now? My mindset is, uh, you know, I'm definitely focused on this and, um, but I'm just excited to be with you guys. I mean, I, I'm such a fan of the podcast. Very sweet to oh, say I've that. been waiting. I've been waiting. I've been waiting to be asked to be a guest for a long time. We've finally done it. We've finally yeah, done it. We have. I think it was like three years ago. Maybe you casually mentioned it. Okay. All right. So in that three years. Wow. It was a long wait list. A long wait yeah, list. It was a long, long wait list. In that three years, what have you been watching? God, it's the worst question because when you guys emailed that that was something I should think about, it made me, you know, I, I just, I did two movies back to back. So I just, I did a movie during the pandemic and I did this and now this. So I'm really like, I'm way far behind. So maybe you can just pretend that we recorded this like five years ago. Okay. So that it feels like all of my cultural references are like exciting and current. And well, um, everything is current now. Yeah, we're, just, new. we're doing a, a rerun from from season one of Homophilia. Yeah. <laughs> um, I are you asking me what I watch? Yeah, what's your what's what's in your media diet? Oh, I mean, I watch. What happens is that I hear people talk about shows, and then I watch usually the pilot, and then I and then so like I've seen enough. So I just watched White Lotus, which I loved. Did you watch um, the whole thing? No, I just watched the pilot. Watched only the pilot. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, but it was great. And um, uh, I watch Drag Race because it relaxes me. Of course. Um, Are you current on on Drag Race? No, because I started to watch All Stars this season and it started to, there's sometimes like a bad aftertaste. Like if you watch, because I watch like season af, like after season. Who are your, uh, like who's on your Mount Rushmore of RuPaul's Drag Race? Uh, by the way, it's super not cliche for the for the gay guy to talk about the gay guests to talk about uh, you know drivers, but here I am. Um, I love I love Alaska. I like the old the old queens, um, but uh, you know I like um, uh, Alaska Thunderfuck. I love um, I love uh, I like the fashion ones like. Um, and I, I actually think like silky nutmeg like Ganache is kind of is a lip, lip syncer. Um, well, that is the reason to watch this season of All Stars. No, I, I know. Spoil I've heard. It, but I've you heard. know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, somebody, I, I, I only watched a couple episodes this season and then I got sucked into this uh, film. But uh, somebody said like the lip syncing is like next level. I need to do it. I need to get into Just it. jump into that episode if that's all you yeah. can do. It's worth it. I'm wondering if there's like a highlight reel, but um, I do, I do enjoy her. I like Trixie. I like, um, I worked with a couple of them. I worked with um, Monet Exchange. Um, I did this Super Bowl commercial with Cardi B and I put her in it. And um, it was actually kind of an amazing moment because everybody was so uncomfortable, like the agency and Pepsi and all these yeah. straight advertising people were like really not happy that I was insisting that this was done. And they made me shoot her last. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, it was uncomfortable that moment. You know what I mean? And she was incredible, of course. And um, everybody 
you know, in the cut, everybody ended up loving her. And then they, they ended up giving her like a whole one-off thing after the fact. So that was, a, yeah, so people still uh, underestimate what America can handle. Well, you know, it's different when it's like, it's, it's, it's less, it, it's less confrontational when it's like on your, you know, on your streaming box, you know what I mean? Like in, in real life that can become in like a real context in a different context, out of context. I think people get really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that was out of context. Definitely. Um, I want to ask you about your NYU days. Uh, who were you in college? What was the look? What was the vibe? What was the vibe? Um, I was kind of a closet case in a way, but also not at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like you know, when you think that you're, you're really getting away with something and everybody's just like constantly, you know, you're walking out of rooms and people are rolling their eyes. Um, that was, that was kind of my look a little bit. Um, but I'm a lot like, I'm a lot like Dave, you know, I'm like an eighties preppy boy. You know what I mean? Like I went to private school and played football and lacrosse and swam and like did all the things, you know, just to be in the locker rooms basically. Well, and, sure. um, you know, and I loved new wave music and Grace Jones and, you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So I kind of just, I, and I was a Midwest kid, so I kind of extended all that into NYU. And it was like, definitely like, why am I, you know, I was the only one wearing like LL Bean boots in 721 Broadway. But um, yeah, but they're very practical for New York City. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, so definitely like kind of like that heteronormative kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. then like slowly, you know, got shed, thankfully, as I, as I, like went through school. Um, but uh, I went to another school before I went to NYU and kind of, uh, you know, had sex with a bunch of guys. And then I was like, I have to transfer so that I can be straight. <laughs> and so um, you went to NYU, the gayest place on earth. Exactly. Where was um, the first place? Uh, a school in Vermont called Bennington College. Oh, right? my God. Really, my dream school after having read Less <laughs> Than Zero. Awesome. Yeah, no, well, by the way, because we're very much the same. This is yeah. what's not going to be interesting to your listeners. They're going to be like, he's just a less interesting day. But um, stop that. I, but I did, no, I did read Lesson Zero. And I did, I applied to a bunch of colleges. I went to a really conservative boarding school. I applied to a bunch of colleges. I got into a bunch of places. And I went to Bennington one weekend. And I don't know if you know anything about it, but it's in Southern Vermont. And it's like the most beautiful place in the world. There's like these white clapboard buildings on the edge of, you know, these green meadows and i went there on a friday night and there was this party in one of those you know one of those dorms and um it was only lit by a fireplace and there was a dj and they were playing salt and pepper push it and when i walked in it was like a in a full 80s movie and two of the hottest gay guys um one of whom i'm still friends with were making out in the middle of the dance floor and i was like oh i'm going here like no matter what yeah. i'm going. um <laughs> that's what did it so it was like, wow. it was, I really chose, I chose wisely. I chose with my, uh, with all of my academic intentions intact, wow. but um, that's why I went to Bennington and, um, and, uh, you know, I made a lot of friends with Bennington. I went there, it was kind of a great place. And, um, I studied drama there and I went there with Justin Thoreau and Pete Dinklage and Jonathan Mark Sherman and all these guys that I'm still pals with. And, um, and then had sex with so many people. And felt like I had to get out and do something different and focus. And that's why I went to film school. 
And you also w went to NYU to be straight, and which uh, I, I guess didn't last very long. <laughs> it didn't last very long. Yeah. So what was what was that mindset? Did you actually think was it more just like I need a new playing field, or did, was it really like there is something that I have to become? And no, no, no. I mean, I'm joking. I I, I think it. Honestly, I was interested in, I, I had wanted to be a filmmaker really badly. And I was sort of like at this small liberal arts school and I felt like I needed to do something more significant, but it, it is weird because it was like, you know, it was the early nineties and I felt like it wasn't, you know, it was pre -glee. Um, So it was, it was a slightly different time. You know what I mean? And I had grown up in a kind of conservative way. And I think I was really expressing myself. And then I think I was, freaked out by that you know what I mean like I yes. was uncomfortable I was uncomfortable with what that was like I didn't embrace that in myself I felt like oh well this this isn't right or this doesn't this you know this isn't going to look right or feel right and I need to I need to shift and make a change so I was kind of like running away from my own independence but um it you know the ship got it, it righted itself I think right well when you're raised you know conservative and private school and all that kind of thing you're given one way to yeah be, no for know? sure yeah. and yeah, i mean it's never it's never explicit but it is implicit in everything and yeah. you know yeah you're you're shown one way to be good and everything oh. else is bad or shameful or stressful or whatever and uh, yeah, secretive feel you know that was yeah. a part of it like that was it's interesting how um how there was so much that was just naturally dishonest, you know what I mean? Um, no, no matter what your intentions were, you know what I mean? Like you just lived dishonestly, yeah. which is such a strange thing to think about. And there weren't, you know, there weren't role models. There were no, this podcast didn't exist or maybe it did, but I didn't know about it. And, um, you know, there weren't, there weren't people that you could look at and sort of say like, oh, well, they're, they're doing this and they're making a go of it. And, you know, that's, that's a path for me. There wasn't really that then. You know what I mean? Yeah. There were some outliers for sure, but um, you had to kind of look for them, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. What was so, boarding school like? Talk me through boarding school. God, I thought we were going to the evolved part of me. I mean, that's yeah. even worse than me at Bennington. Um, boarding school was really intense because I had gone to public school. I like I, I hadn't gone to private school until high school. And so I went to this boarding school. And it was in Ohio, which is weird because I was living in Ohio. So it's sort of like, why didn't I go further? And um, it was, uh, you know, full up, like full up dead poets, school ties, un uniforms. You know, I wore a tie every day. We started the day with chapel, um, you know, and what's so strange about those schools is that you realize, especially in hindsight, your teachers, the faculty are so young. You know what I mean? Like those guys are like, they were like 25. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like 17 and you've got these like teachers and dorm masters who are 25 who are not evolved people. Do you know what I mean? So it was like kind of an intense situation. The only thing that got me through it is my eventually through like, you know, I was put with one roommate who like was so uncomfortable and wanted to move, you know, because of my taste in music. And I found the other guy in my dorm, of course, who was the other gay guy. Yeah. And we sort of, you know, we kind of like locked our door and, you know, bought all this shit from Pier One and listened to 12 Inch Madonna records. And like we kind of created like a gay sanctuary, like, you know, a lily pad in the middle of this straight pond. Um, yeah. And that was like 
it got me through it. It was a blast. Like he, he was my best friend for years and years and years. So, Oh, that's so important. That's so important. Yeah. It was super important and great. Where in Ohio? That was in Hudson, Ohio at this place called Western Reserve Academy. But I grew up in a town called Shaker Heights, Ohio. So I'm Southern Ohio. It's basically a different state. Where was that? Uh, it's called Waverly. It's a village uh, right below Chillicothe, our state's first capital. Oh, yes. Uh, basically, um, what's the the book that was just a movie with Amy Adams and Glenn Close? Uh, Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly That's, Elegy. Yeah, those are my people. Oh, right. Well, so you were like Hillbilly Elegy, and I was Little Fires Everywhere. So it's sort of like exactly Perfect. parallel parallel literary representation of Ohio angst. I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing rugby shirts tucked into jeans. I'm seeing woven belts. Yeah. I'm seeing Sperry topsiders. You're just looking at old photos of yourself. True. True, but I, it's I'm certain I'm not wrong. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. And I was a total clothes horse. Yeah, and um, yeah, I learned that from my mom. My my mom used to take me shopping every weekend, every single weekend when I was a kid. Wow. So um, yeah, it was insane. So I was like obsessive about clothing and loved yeah. fashion. And uh, yeah, I wore all that stuff. A lot of Ralph Lauren. A lot of a lot of layers. Yeah, a lot. A lot of layers. You had to. You had to, you had to, because there needed to be more than one opportunity to flip a collar up. Of course. Absolutely. Yes. I need a row of collars standing at attention. Two or three. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, have you digitized your mixtapes from this era? Um, I haven't had to because I just bought a car that has a cassette deck. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I actually use, use it all the time. Wow. Like I, I listen to cassettes every day when i'm in la oh that sounds like a dream i'm very impressed with that <laughs> i need a, a cassette boom box because i've just found a duffel bag of old mixtapes oh my god yeah. give them to me please for yeah. my maybe i will through los angeles maybe i will yeah maybe everybody will. me everybody is giving me their old cassette tapes the one thing i didn't realize is that you know they melt i didn't realize that because i yes. didn't grow up in la so like I would leave, I've, I've left them on the dash recently and it's like, you know, I come back to yeah. my car and it's like, oh, I'll never yeah. listen to that police album again. So, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's gone forever. You need them climate controlled. Yeah. So, uh, Will, full disclosure, before you got on, um, as we were uh, preparing for this and everything, at one point I, you know, there obviously there's a lot of information about you online, about your work. We all, we're all familiar with the work. Your personal life, much less so. And at one point, I texted Dave and said, "Just confirming, is Will gay? Because the, you know, we we just simply never had a, a, a straight cis person on the podcast. Is that what's happening?" And Dave was like, "Oh God, I, I think so." But so that was part of the Instagram scramble. Yeah. We're looking for clues, you know. Um, and, uh, and, yeah. and Kate, our producer, right before we started recording, was like, "I think I found something. I think we're good, guys." And you, you know, you quickly put our, our concerns. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to, I'm glad Kate found it. I mean, you don't have to look very far. I, I'm pretty, I, you know. I guess I'm not a great Googler, but um, cat's out of the bag. Uh, Is that a question or just? No, no, just an observation. <laughs> just an observation. Do, I to, do I need to work harder? Oh, all right. So you and Josh Gordon meet at NYU, and that's when you start working together. Yes. What are those early um, films like? You know, we we made uh, we made mostly sort of comedic short films, um, and we made them separately. And then we made a senior thesis film together. Um, at, that was about 
it was um, called Idlewild, and we set it in Idlewild um, at Josh's parents' house. They have like a summer house there, and it was about a couple like that you meet in the beginning that are going away for the weekend, and and about right when they arrive at the house, um, there's another couple there. But what you realize is, is that the first couple is half of uh, they're having an affair, and it's like there's a married couple that owns the house and they're all up there and they have to spend the weekend. They decide to spend the weekend together, all four of them. Um, so like we were making the things that we had no business making movies about, but like relationships and marriage and, and comedy. And um, that one was great though. Jillian Anderson was in it. She had just done the X-Files and she was amazing. It was when she, before she was British. And, um, uh, and um and then we made another we made another comedy um short film called Culture. And um yeah, well that one, the Idlewild one was nominated for a Student Academy Award. And, and then the other one, Culture, was like about a, a true story that we had heard about about a woman who worked at the New York Times who was like a secretary in her 80s who basically brought down this guy um who was like in his 20s and really arrogant. So we made this uh little short film called Culture about a woman who is a secretary in the culture department and she just constantly picks up the phone and answers it culture. And she like drives him slowly crazy. It's the only thing she says in the movie. And that was Greg German who played the the guy and Philip Seymour Hoffman played his best friend. And uh, Florence Stanley, who's this incredible older character actress played the, the flow, the secretary. And um, that was nominated for an Academy Award. So I don't say that like as a weird humble brag, I'm just saying we made these kind of comedies these character comedies, I guess, is what they were, you know. Um, but we had a blast doing it together. We just loved working with each other, and we've done it ever since. So it was it was a great experience, you know. I'm wondering who was, um, as you progressed at NYU and, and moved into the world, who was that first, like, gay adult that was like, oh, this guy's doing, this guy's doing it. Do you remember, like, for the first time being like, oh, okay. Oh, you mean who did I look up to? Yeah. Yeah. I was really into and got to hear him um, speak and got to work with him a little bit was Gus Van Sant, um, you know, who was doing different movies, obviously, with much different tones. Um, but uh, that was like a hero of mine because he was so purely artistically driven and also experimental, but also kind of, you know, narrative and and very comfortable with his sexuality in a way that was not marginalized. You know, like, I, of course, I love John Waters and, you know, Blake Edwards. And I, lo I love kind of all that camp. But I there was something about Gus where it was like he was so confident in his sexuality and so like about it was it didn't define him do you know what i mean but it was a huge part of him like he he was definitely a queer filmmaker but like you know made drugstore cowboy you know before my own private idaho and it didn't feel like he wasn't defined by his angst do you know what i mean and that was really that was really inspiring to me and something new for me that i hadn't seen and i remember that being like something i worked on to die for a movie he did and um i just remember him being like I kept waiting for, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, here's the, you know, like he's going to, you know, he's tortured or he's going to act really gay here. You know, like I kept looking for all the, my own sort of telltale signs of that kind of, you know, that turmoil. And he didn't have it. You know, he was very just comfortable in who he was and also comfortable with being 
sexual in a way. You know what I mean? Like being like, this guy's attractive and I, I want to make, I want to photograph him in a way that's sexual. You know what I mean? But it didn't, it didn't define him and it didn't also limit his ability to sort of tell other kinds of stories. And I thought for me, even though he's not like maybe a gay icon, but as a filmmaker, I felt like it's such a, he's such an interesting, you know what I mean? Like that he made Goodwill Hunting that has sort of a homoeroticism in it, but also is about so many other things, you know what I mean? So it's sort of like a way that he could kind of tell stories and, and, have them informed by a queer point of view, um, but not be kind of only defined by that point of view, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It was like miles ahead. Yeah. And, and super like evolved in a way that I wasn't at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, that's one, that's somebody. That is somebody. Folks, I'm watching Dave Holmes apply a cream yep. to his gorgeous face. Mm-hmm. Dave, tell us everything. Mm, thank you so much. Well, this is apostrophe moisturizer. They call it screen, apostrophe screen. It's uh, SPF 43. It's fragrance free. It is. Uh, it gets my skin nice and moist. I'm also uh, from them. I got and I forget the name of it. Matt, you knew the name of it. Oh, last night I don't. I never know how to say it out loud. But it's called tretinoin. It's essentially like prescription yes. retinol. You hear about retinol all the time. You can, you can get retinol anywhere, but you cannot get this level of retinol anywhere. It has to be prescribed. Uh, so we are both mm-hmm. very lucky to be using that from Apostrophe, which, of course, is a uh-huh. prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Uh, Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist. They uh, create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. Go to apostrophe.com, simply fill out their online quiz about your skin goals, your medical history. I myself would like to get rid of some fine lines and wrinkles. Um, Snap a few little selfies. A dermatologist will come on and create your customized skin treatment plan. They treat acne. They can help you with your other skincare goals, like getting rid of wrinkles, getting rid of dark spots, reducing redness, plenty more. This is my first first time around the block with, uh, with retinol. And uh, so far, I like it. Welcome to the game. I think you can tell I'm positively glowing. Already. We have a special deal for our audience, of course. You save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash homophilia. And when you use our code homophilia, which is only available to our listeners. And to get started, go to apostrophe.com slash homophilia, click begin visit, use the code homophilia at sign up. You'll get $15 off your first dermatology visit. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash homophilia. Use that code, homophilia. Get your dermatology visit, save $15, and we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast. Well, Matt, confidence, do See, I couldn't even say the word. I was so confident about my abilities that I just said, I started to say the word confidence, and it came out like that. Confidence, though is something that will take you far in life. That's right. It can also help in the bedroom, Matt. Confidence in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in, Matt. Yes, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. So you can take them anytime, day or night. You can plan ahead. You can be ready whenever an opportunity arises, if you will. Oh my God. The process 
Simple as can be, just go to bluechew.com, sign up, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're, perf- once you're approved, you get your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. So no embarrassing visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Boom, knock, knock, who's there? Blue Chew, Blue Chew Who, Blue Chew Chewable Tablets. That's right. So if you could benefit from extra confidence or confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. You try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code HOMOPHILIA at checkout. It's just $5 for shipping. It is bluechew.com, promo code HOMOPHILIA to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com. Oh, now there's my confidence getting in my way. Yeah, see? see? Steve, save the last line. Okay, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Now, ladies, Blue Chew is exclusively for men, but the end result is something you'll both enjoy. So get your man to sign up. Blue Chew. And so now you are a father. I am a father. Yeah. What can you tell us? I have a 13 year old, uh, non-binary, fantastic child. Yeah. Me and my husband, um, you know, adopted at birth, um, which was amazing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, I can't believe it's been 13 years, but, um, it's been a definitely a journey. And now we're in this like teenage moment, you know, and a lot's changing and it's really intense and also really kind of magical. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it definitely challenges you. I think it challenges everybody when you get to this age, because this age is sort of the, I think it's like the, a slight beginning of the separation and also like where you're not, you're not in control of the narrative as much. I mean, you shouldn't ever really be, but I, you know, you like to think you are, um, you know, but it's sort of like where it's like, you're sort of stepping aside and just watching them become them, whatever that is. Do you know what I mean? And you can fight that and you can resist it or you can embrace it. And sometimes you want to do all of those things at the same time. But, you know, it's interesting because like, especially being like a gay parent, you know, it's like, 13 years ago, it wasn't like on every, you know, in every coffee shop line, you saw gay parents, like it was a little bit less, not much, but like, we were a little bit like we would be on a plane and a lot of people would look at us, you know what I mean? And either, you know, once we were on, I always, I don't know why, but it always, airplanes were such interesting places to be a gay parent because it's, it's like the most intimate setting with a bunch of strangers. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't live in New York, not like a subway car and people in New York are so unfazed, but like when you live in LA, as you guys know, it's like, you're always in this bubble, you know, your car, and then you go into Whole Foods or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you're not in a a lot of communal spaces. And whenever we flew, it was like a polarizing thing. It was like either, we always joke that like either the cabin fully like accepted it or there were problems with it. And we were on both ends of it. You know, like once we got this, this flight attendant gave us a, a woman, gave us a bottle of champagne when our kid was a baby and said like, I'm, you know, I just can't believe you guys are doing this. And I'm so, I, I just want to support you in the way we can. And I was like, fucking yeah. Like let's get drunk for free. And then, yeah. and there was another time we were flying to, uh, we were flying to Maui and we were in first class and there was, there were like only four rows and, 
are, it was one of those times where your kid, you cannot console your kid no matter what. She was two. And um, we were, I mean, it was like impossible. There was only been three of those times. Every parent talks to those times where it's like, you can't, cons- there's a moment where you just cannot console your kid. And um, the woman two rows back said, um, that baby needs a father, needs a mother. Oh, fuck her. It's stuff like that, which we just put into this PSA that we just did for, uh, for, um, family equality. I don't know if you saw it, Dave, but, um, I posted it, but um, we put that line in, uh, but anyway, um, so I don't know. I digress, but what was the question? <laughs> I have, I'm a parent. Is that the question? Yeah. We just, that that was the, the question. Answer yeah. Short question. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you, um, I, I, you're obviously a whale and you're working now and I, you're obviously away a lot, but yeah. early in the pandemic, was there a, a period where the three of you were forced to hunker down unplanned that, I'm sure was a you know a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I mean, we actually were shooting. We were about to shoot a movie. We were five days away from shooting when the whole thing sort of hit the fan. And that sort of weird, I don't know if you remember that weird weekend where Trump gave that fucking ridiculous speech where he threatened to close all the European borders and Tom Hanks announced that he had COVID. It was like yeah. one weekend. It might've been February. February or March. But um, yeah. that was five days away from our start date on this science fiction movie we were doing for universal and amblin and we got on a plane and we went home and it was just so weird like suddenly we were just home and i was home from march april may june july so four months and then we got back on a plane and went to budapest and shot that movie for you know the rest of the year like for a long time so i did have those sort of four you know quarantine kind of pandemic months that a lot of people had for much longer and yeah it was kind of great the only thing that was a bummer is that i think you know she at the time was on zoom school you know what i mean and i think for all of us look this has been a just bizarre and trying time for every single person you know in different ways i think for me and it's my own experience i think kids had it the worst because i think for all of us it's like oh well we've lived these very different versions of life with lots of experiences and we've had our our crazy times and our slow times and like oh wow we get to slow down and stop fucking looking at our phones and posting and like you know having FOMO and going out and chasing whatever we can just chill the fuck out which is you know which is hard of course like I'm not I don't mean to diminish anybody's experience in terms of you know, loss of income or health or any of those things. But it was different, I think, for kids who suddenly had to disengage from the world that they were just starting to learn about and just starting to live in. And um, when you have an only child, they're really just left alone with a laptop in a bedroom. And so that was, it was great, you know, but it wasn't like, it wasn't always, and, and everybody has different experiences, but it wasn't like we were cooking bread and, and yeah. you know, hugging on the sofa every day. It was a lot of managing my kid's emotional state because it was a lot of isolation and, and a lot of just screen staring. And, you know, it was, it was tough. And we were sort of working, my husband and I, on Zoom all day. So it was like a strange routine that I think a lot of people experience, which is like everybody on different devices. And um, it, it definitely took its toll. Like, I wish I could say it was like a magical bonding time. Um, it was more, I, I, and I'm like a crazy extrovert. So for me, it was like, it was tough, you know, yeah. it was a tough time. Are they back in, in person school now? 
Yeah, they started today. So okay, yeah, which was really amazing. Yeah, so all good. How was it? Have we gotten a report? Um, I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I got some. Um, I got uh, it's raining um, text there in Los Angeles, and I was like, "It's raining in LA. That's so exciting!" And and they said, "No, no, it's raining where you are." I haven't been outside today here in Atlanta, but I was like, "Oh, that's great!" And then I got a a photo, an emoji of a pop tart. Mm. Um, so I guess that's a good enough. For me, that would be I don't have to check mark. Week. Yeah, I think that's good. I'm fine. I did my thing. Yeah. Now having having read less than zero, how do you feel about raising a teenager in Los Angeles? Um I feel uh well, you know, I you know, my kid is very specifically kind of um their own thing, you know what I mean? And so I don't and we're not really I'm not that worried because I don't, I don't know. I, I don't feel like, I feel like we have a pretty good thing going. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about the, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think I was, what's funny is like when you're, when you're not in LA, at least for me, like I always was so fascinated by LA, like reading about it and seeing movies about it and seeing, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like when you live in, I mean, I'm sure you were like the same way, Dave. And Absolutely. I yeah. if Matt was out of the barn or, you know, out of the hillbilly, out of the out of the hillbilly kitchen. He if I had ever seen a movie with LA in it, you know, I, I would have been fascinated. But if you had had a VCR, you would have seen what we're talking about. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's almost like this kind of, but it it normalizes pretty quickly. It's it's all about it, no matter where you are. It's all about how you what what's in your household. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, to a certain extent, a city can affect things. I'm not that worried about it. Put it that way. Tell us your meet cute story of um, you and your husband. It was a long time ago. Um, how long have you have you guys? I mean, Dave, you have somebody, right? I do. Yeah. How long you guys have been? Sixteen years. Yeah, sixteen. Mm-hmm. What about Matt? Seven, almost eight. Right. Well, I'm twenty-one. Wow. That's legit, right? Okay. The year to, the year is two thousand. Yep. Take us. Yeah, there. the year is two thousand. In sync is at the top of the charts. And um, I went to a birthday party of a guy that I was um, catering with, who I convinced to have a party. And um, we were working at the Chateau Marmont, and he had a birthday party in West Hollywood. And he said, I'm inviting a fraternity brother of mine who lives in San Francisco. And I was like, fraternity brother? Like all the blood rushing (laughs) below my waist. Um, And and, uh, he showed up and... He was incredibly beautiful and sweet and kind. And I couldn't tell if he was gay for like the longest time. And I said to my friend, like about an hour in, I was like, is Dan, is like, is he gay? And he was like, girl, he bought me a Cuisinart for my birthday. And I was like, oh my God, good. That's so good. That's great. All right. I'm talk to him. Um, so it was that night. And then he lives in San Francisco. So like we dated for pretty much almost two years back and forth, which was like the best. I think it's why we're still together because, yeah, you know, the like if you have a, a long distance relationship is where it's at, by the way. Uh, yeah. Ours was also in the beginning and it sure. does, yeah. it does really force you to do a kind of communication that you, you're, you're just not going to do if you're in the same place. Exactly. But it also makes it so special because it's like, you just, it's not all the like, did you put this fucking dental floss down the toilet? Cause it doesn't flush. It's like, you're just like, 
where are we going to go to dinner on Friday night? And I'm going to fly there and I'll be, you know, it's just, everything felt exciting. You know what I mean? Um, so that was like, we had two years of that. And then, um, I eventually broke him and forced him to move to Los Angeles. Well done. But you, you get to recreate the long distance thing every time you're doing a movie. Yes, but I don't go back that often. I mean, like back then we saw each other. There used to be this like LA to San Francisco flight that was like super easy. And it was like, you know, pre 9-11 and for a couple of years there. But like that was our window. And it was like, you could just get on the plane, you'd get there. And it was like, you know, magical. It was like a great break from LA or he'd come to LA. Um, It's hard though, because I'm away a lot. And when I'm away, I'm really away. You know what I mean? Like I don't go back. I just went back last weekend for like 12 hours. How long are you gone for this one? Till January. That's a long haul. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you manage? There's a lot of FaceTime. Yeah. But uh, we've also like kind of learned over the, like, you know, I like a little bit of like restraint is a good thing. Like, we, we sort of check in like by text a lot, but then like really like once a week, like a good hang. Do you know what I mean? Because the kind of, Sometimes like that you can get into a thing where it's like somebody's busy and you're trying to call when you have free time, but they don't have free time. And then it's like, well, why aren't you valuing my time? Yeah. And, you know, 21 years, guys, things come up. But I always my kid FaceTimes me whenever uh, and I always pick up no matter what I'm doing. Almost always. That's the good thing about having a directing partner is I'm always like, even if I'm shooting, I'm like, I, I got to take this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. But it's usually like a, a one or two minute look at my guinea pig. Do you know where my socks are? Something like that. And then it's like a hang up. So yeah. That's magical. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we let you go, uh, you know, I, you may know this from listening to the show. You may not, but um, listeners know that my one distinct personality trait is my love of Jennifer Aniston. It does run quite deep. So Wanted to ask you about your relationship with her. Tell us everything and please take your time slowly. Every detail. (laughs) Well, we met, we did this movie. I did this movie called The Switch. um, And uh, I think it was 2010. um, And we met Mm -hmm. in that, you know, actor meeting, like, you know, to sort of talk about doing the movie together. And we just sort of like, really became close on that movie like we were you know we shot it in new york and she was staying at the greenwich and i was staying in soho and we we would shoot night we shot nights for three weeks which was insane and um we're both very social and we're also like night owls like we'd rap and then i'd go to her hotel room and we would spend the whole (laughs) like another seven hours hanging out almost every night um and uh, just became really, really close. And and Jason Bateman was on that movie. And we then, since then, have become really close. And um, I've never spent a holiday without either of them since then. So, yeah, I mean, she's, she's amazing. And she's, uh, I mean, she's like you guys and me. You know, she's just like a great, fun, super easy very social love like i just i love her and um she's we're really close and she's the godmother of my child and um we've been friends for a long time we made another movie together called office christmas party yeah i mean we're just you know we're ride or die i mean we're in it um dave when are you gonna write dave when are you gonna write another book 
I am working on it. I love your writing. I love your book. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, you can tell why I would love your book, right? Everything you just Thanks. Well, I mean, I think we we were leading parallel lives, and now here we are. Um, And we share a friend in common who I'm always threatened to talk about you. Oh, Molly McNearney, the great Molly McNearney. Yeah. She is the greatest of all time. I haven't seen her in a hundred years. Well, I see her a lot. But she always every okay. Time, well, now I'm threatened. No, every time your name comes up, she's like, "Oh my God, he's the best. He's the funny." And I'm like, "Uh huh, is he?" <laughs> I'm right well, here. Exactly. Um, I'm so glad we can make this happen. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, I don't know what the fuck I talked about. I wish I could have been much more cultured, but I will. Um, you know. No, you're making it. You're making culture. But you no. you should read. There's a couple books just really quick that I'm going to plug because I love them. But did you read the good the big goodbye? No, it's about Chinatown, the making of Chinatown. It's amazing. You should be. Yes, it. we had him on. Did you read Jonathan Park's book? Yes, Daddy. That's a great book. Yes, so fun. And then, did you read Party of One? It's I can't remember. It's uneven. It and then uneven. Um, there's another <laughs> book called Less. Less we loved, and Less I, I we thought loved. we were going to have him on. I don't we know, loved. but yeah. yeah. Someday. I just read um, another good gay book that Michael recommended to me called A Beautiful Crime, and I've forgotten the writer's name, but I think there is maybe going to be a movie, but it's it's a very like uh, talented Mr. Ripley, you know, um, young gay couple kind of pulling off scams in Venice. Very, very fun read. Very glamorous. Very glamorous. Um, Will, next step, um, please come over with a briefcase of cassette tapes. I will now make it my, I will make it, it's top of my list now to buy a cassette boombox. We'll make it happen. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Like a little 10 by four, you know, the briefcase for the car. My car. You know, the boombox you should buy is the the yellow Sony sports. Uh, oh, of course. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. You can get it on the way. Done. Done. Kind of, it's actually weird that you don't have a cassette player, Dave. I have to. It, it is strange, right? Yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's not part of your brand. It's not. It's not. I really got to fucking shore that up um, right now. You guys, nice to see you. Thank you so much. Will, thank spec, you so you much. What rule. a pleasure. Thank you so much. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer. Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak, and the whole team at World of Wonder. We love you. And theme music by my Ben Wise. Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Thank you for listening. We love you. We love you.